Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. And I, I just felt drawn to the subject today, the purpose of Pentecost. Everybody say the purpose of Pentecost. And we're going to read some scriptures from the uh, first and second chapters of Acts. And we're going to believe God to speak to our hearts and stir us about the purpose of Pentecost. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for the opportunity today, Lord, to minister your word and to receive from you what you would see, what you would speak to your people. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence and your power. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today we reverence your word. We know it is holy. And we reverence your Holy Spirit. He is holy. And so I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, take over. Have your way. Anoint our time together in the word. May it be blessed and may it be fruitful. And may it bring change into our lives and even into this church and community. Lord, we're going to believe for big things today because you said with God nothing shall be impossible. So we're asking you to reignite a fire of revival in this place, Lord God. That the glory of God would come in this place in a mighty, mighty way today. But not, Lord, not only for today, but in the days to come. And Lord, that you would release evangelists and witnesses and people of God from this place to reach out to those around them. Lord, that your will might be accomplished and that the purpose of Pentecost might be accomplished. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all the people shouted. Hallelujah. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to be reading in the uh, King James Version. I think they're going to put it on the screen maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began. Everybody say began. The former treatise he's talking about is the book of Luke. Luke wrote Luke, and Luke wrote Acts. So he wrote two books in the Bible. So he's referring back to his first book, the book of Luke. He said that's about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, in the natural, we would think that the book of Luke was all that Jesus did and taught because that was his, you know, the story of his life on this earth. But how many know Jesus is still doing and teaching today? Can I have an amen? And he is pouring out his spirit today, Lord, that that we can do that work and that we can do that teaching and that we can bring forth the gospel in the land. And so he wrote this former treatise, O Theopolis, which means, by the way, Theopolis means friend of God. Got any friends of God here today? Well, that's you. This is to you then. All right, Theopolis, all you Theopolises, praise God. Your name is no longer Jake, it's Theopolis. Name Jesus. All right. So, until this day in which we were taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, this is talking about Jesus' ministry. After he was risen from the dead, 
He was with them for 40 days. And we know that Jesus died on the feast of Passover. And then uh, he rose again during that feast or part of that feast. And then 50 days later is the feast of Pentecost, which we're going to read about in a minute. But for 40 days, he was with them. And it says, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Everybody say, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. How many know the Father made a promise? Amen. We're going to learn about the promise that Father God, our Heavenly Father, made. How many know he keeps his word? You know, if I promised you something, if I said, Pastor Jake, you know, I'm going to give you $100 after the service today. He'd say, praise the Lord. And he'd be looking forward to it because he knows Tom's a man of integrity. You know, he's going to do that. But I'm not promising that. Maybe later. But if I did, see, and, and then I just walked out the building and didn't do it, then what would I be? I'd be a liar, you know. But God keeps his word. Amen. Amen. He has a promise for his people. Amen. What is the promise? For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. His promise is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptism means to be immersed. Amen. So it's taken from a word like uh, if you would take cloth and you would put it into a dye, you would immerse the cloth into the dye. So when we think of water baptism, we think of immersion because we are immersed in the water. And it's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and how we are buried with him in baptism. We are immersed in the water. Well, John immersed people in the water, but you shall be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Not many days hence. Jesus said, I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. The the Father has promised that you'd be immersed in the Holy Spirit. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto he. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Praise God. So they wanted to know, well, is it time? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Are you going to be king over the earth? You're the Messiah. We know you're the Messiah. Are you going to take over now? And he he said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father has put in his own hand. You know, a lot of times people are real consumed with the end times. And that can be good. You know, it gives us an understanding that one day Jesus is coming back and things are not going to remain the way that they are today. There's a new kingdom coming. Can I have an amen? But sometimes we're so consumed about, well, who's the Antichrist and when's all this going to happen? When's that going to happen? And, you know, I believe the thing that we need to be consumed with is the Great Commission. I believe that the greatest end time uh, revelation that we can have is um, 
is in uh, Matthew 24, 14. He said, this gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. We need to be about our Father's business, getting this word out around the world, amen, so people could be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth and find eternal life. Praise God. And the rest will take care of itself. Can I, can I have an amen? I'm not saying to ignore end-time teaching, but I'm saying sometimes we can get over-involved in this technicality and this technicality and who's this and who's that, and we can miss the real point. How many understand what I'm saying? The real point is you're called to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Amen? And God has given you power. And he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so here's my main thought today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Whether we're ministering to children in the reserves, uh, the reservations in Montana... Amen. Or uh, people in Benin, West Africa, or Buffalo, Minnesota, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, if Je- think about this thought now. That I was thinking about this. If Jesus Christ himself needed the power of the Holy Spirit to draw people to himself, amen, and if the early church needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do what they accomplished to turn the world upside down, What makes us think that we don't need the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, in this dark world that we're living in today, we need God's power like never before. Can I have an amen? So he promised them, he says, you're going to receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, even Jesus received the power when the Holy Spirit came upon him. Because why? Because he came from heaven, but he emptied himself and he became a man. And then he went down and he was baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Then the Spirit led him into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days. And the Bible says what? He, he returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And miracles began to happen. He began to preach. He began to do miracles. He began to teach. And his ministry was fulfilled. How? In the power of of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? You know, I'm thinking about a, a lady uh, named Jackie Pullinger. Has anyone ever heard of Jackie Pullinger? She was, uh, well, she still is. She, she's a missionary to Hong Kong. And she's, she was from England, and she felt the pull of God to be a missionary, and as she sought the Lord, she felt God was leading her to go to Hong Kong. Nobody agreed with it, She had no missionary support. She had no missionary board behind her, but she had the leading of the Lord. And one pastor who said, if God's telling you to do it, you got to do it. And she bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong and went over there and began to minister and evangelize. As she scoped out the land, she saw that the greatest need was in this place called the Walled City, which was part of Hong Kong, which was so destitute that it was just, it was a place that was just rife with prostitution, gangs, uh, gang wars, opium addicts, and X, and triple X-rated movie theaters. I mean, it was just horrible, horrible place. Many, many people just addicted. They would go in the opium dens and 
uh, smoke opium. And, of course, then they would be totally addicted. Their lives would be wasted. And so she began to go in there, and she began to uh, witness to people in there and tell them about Jesus Christ. And she would give them the gospel message. She would tell them how Jesus died on the cross for their sins and how he was buried and rose again. And they would receive him into their hearts. They would be saved. They would be born again. And she just, she was just labored. She knew nothing would make her quit. She just kept going in and, and sharing the gospel with people. But she had very little results. Then someone told her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This couple, another missionary couple, told her about that, and they prayed with her, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues. And she said, well, that's nice, but nothing really much happened. You know, she didn't do a lot with it because there, there was no emotion that came with her in her case. You know, sometimes we think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about emotion. Well, sometimes there's emotion that comes with it, but it's actually, primarily, it's a spiritual thing. Everybody say spiritual. There's a difference between spiritual and emotional. Can I have an amen? That's the same thing in being born again. Some people weep and cry and have all this emotion when they are born again. And some people just go up and say a prayer and it's just settled now. You know, because it's a matter of the will and it's a matter of the spirit, what the spirit does. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in her case, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When someone prayed for her, she spoke in other languages. But she didn't have much emotion. She didn't really see the value of it, so she quit doing it. She quit speaking in other tongues. But then another couple came, and they talked to her about, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? It'll help you with your ministry. She says, well, yes, but it, it, I didn't notice really a, a lot of difference. They said, well, you need to put it into practice. You need to start praying in the Spirit. You know, the Bible said in uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 18, it says, be being filled with the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about, well, back in 1948, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Spoke in other tongues. No, it's about today. It's about being refreshed today in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about drinking new wine today. Praise God. See? Because God has life. He has power for you now. August 12, 2018. Can I have an amen? amen. So when, after they ministered to her and told her about that, she said, okay, well, I'll put it into practice. So she started praying in other tongues. She started walking into the walled city, praying in other tongues, interceding out of her spirit for the people in there. And you know what? She'd tell them the same thing she told them before about how Jesus died on the cross for their sins. He was buried and he rose again. If you open your heart, he'll come in and you'll be born again. And you know what? Start People started getting born again. Hallelujah. Started seeing people come to the Lord. Amen. Accepting Jesus as their Lord. But you know, some of these people, or a lot of these people, were opium addicts. And even though, yes, they accepted Jesus in their heart, they were still slaves in their bodies to that addiction. So they, you know, she's just searching for the way, searching for the way, how to help them, how to help them. She took, took them into her home, and she, she set up places for them to come to. But uh, the addiction was really, really strong. Well, then they discovered, well, let's pray for them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they found out, you know what, the way to get these people free of this opium addiction? Pray in the Spirit. Get them born again. Get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Get them speaking in other tongues. 
and the power of God would come in their life and they would be delivered in Jesus' name. Folks, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this dark world. The things that are going on in this world are not going to be solved by intellectualism, education, or anything else. These are good things. I mean, it's, it's good to know things, amen? But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to change this world. Can I have a better amen? All right, then, if you would go to the second chapter of Acts. Back in the days when we came to the Lord, there was a band called the second chapter of Acts. I don't suppose they're around anymore, are they? I don't know a lot about Christian music, but there's a band called the second chapter of Acts. So we're going to talk about the second chapter of Acts. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, See, God did things according to these feasts because the feasts were a picture. The Feast of First Fruits is the, the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus died during the Passover. He's the Passover lamb. The day of Pentecost was fully come. That's when God said, now. All right? Now's the time. That's why they had to wait. Somebody says, well, I'm waiting. Well, they had to wait, but now he's here. We don't have to wait. Amen. You can receive... The baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith today. Amen. You don't have to wait because Pentecost has come. Amen. So he says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And folks, it wasn't a Honda. Now that's funny. The interesting thing about that word, one accord, I, I researched that a little bit. The Greek word means, this is what the Greek word means. It's a compound Greek word. It means to rush along in unison. It's also used in the 14th, cha- the 14th verse of the first chapter. They continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. They were all praying together in one accord. It means one accord, one mind, or one passion. They were passionate about the Lord and what he wanted. Amen. And folks, we need a renewal of passion today in the church. Amen. They were after it. They were going for it. Amen. You know, when it comes to revival, when it comes to outpouring, we have to understand there's a Godward side and there's a manward side. God is willing to pour out his spirit But there also must be something on our side. We have to open our hearts to it. Amen. We have to go after it. And we have to get together and go after it. Amen. Sometimes we've got got a group of people and some are going after it and some are going like this, you know. Well, I don't know about that stuff. We've got to go after it, folks. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, well, that's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. It's going to take something a little different to change this world. Can I have an amen? Praise God. Somebody says, this is a little different today. They were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So here comes this wind into the place. A mighty rushing wind. You know, I think God was just in a hurry to get there. Amen. They wanted it. Amen. 
He was ready, and here he comes like a wind into the place. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon them. So here comes this fire that you could visibly see on each one's head. Cloven tongues, I assume that means like, like you know, the flame, you know how flames shoot up and they're kind of this way. Cloven means divided. And it's set upon each of them. So you could see a visible, material uh, manifestation of the glory of God sitting on each one's head. You know, I read that uh, in the Azusa Street Revival that they actually saw that. They saw that glory sitting on each one's head. And, and I read that over 30 times the fire department was called to Azusa Street because people would look and they would see a flame on the building. You say, well, would God manifest himself upon a building? Well, if you read in the book of Acts later on, he shook the whole place where they were meeting. Somebody says, well, I, I went to a meeting. Somebody shook. Wait till the whole building starts shaking. Amen. I mean, God's powerful, folks. You know, you know, Paul and Silas were in jail and he sent an earthquake. Amen. We've got to get out of this little thinking about God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. This is the one that lives in us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be of God and not of us. Folks, it's about letting the Holy Ghost live in you. It's not about what you can do in the natural, you know, how smart you are, how good looking you are. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. And he came like a mighty rushing wind and he sat upon each of them with these flames of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or you could say other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke with tongues? They spoke with tongues. What did the Spirit do? Gave them utterance. You see, the Holy Spirit gives the, the inspiration. You do the talking. Some people are waiting to talk in tongues like the Holy Spirit's going to come and start moving their mouth. No, you start speaking. As the Spirit gives you utterance, as the Spirit inspires you, you begin to speak. Amen? You may speak just a few syllables. When I, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I spoke three or four syllables. Now I speak all kinds of syllables. I speak for hours. Sometimes God will just move me into a new language. For a long time, I never was used to, to give a message in tongues in a, in a church service. But now the last few years, I've been doing that too. God can help you grow and develop in the things of the Spirit. Amen. You start out maybe just a little, see? A little dabble do you. In my case, I had just a few syllables. Then, you know what? I started prophesying. It's all these, all the, the words just started coming out of my mouth, coming out of my mouth. God spoke things to me. I can tell you today what they are. Because it was so, the word of God was in my mouth. Amen? And God instructed me specifically about certain things. The Holy Spirit is real, tangible, mighty, useful, valuable, needed, necessary, absolutely must have the Holy Ghost. 
Now, this business of speaking in tongues is controversial. But why? It's right here. It's very clear in the scriptures they shall speak with other tongues. Jesus said it in Mark chapter 16. He says, go and preach the gospel in all the world. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They will speak with other tongues. How many believe Jesus? Folks, he's the head of the church. Amen? (laughs) He's the head of the church. He said it would happen. He tells about it all through the book of Acts. You can read about it in in 1 Corinthians. They spoke in other tongues. Speaking in other tongues can be in a known language. It can be in an unknown language. It can be for the purpose of giving a message to someone who understands a language. I know Susan tried that when she was in Mexico because she couldn't talk to the people. She says, well, I'm going to speak in tongues and hope to hope that they'll understand. But it didn't work. But it does sometimes. As the Spirit moves on you, he might give you their language so that they can understand, you see. And it's a sign. Praise God. And, and that's what happened in this case. As they were speaking in other tongues, it was noised abroad. And these people that were in the city that came for the feast, they were hearing them speak in their own languages miraculously. So that's one of the ways. Then another way is that there's a message sometimes in a service. And then the, the next thing that's supposed to happen is an interpretation. There's two gifts that work together, tongues and interpretation. So that's another way. And then another way that tongues are used is in your devotional prayer life. As it talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, that he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Some of the confusion about tongues is that people kind of mix them all up and don't understand because in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, do all speak with tongues. Well, the context there is ministry. And, you know, if how many here have ever, for example, how many here have ever given a message in tongues? One, two, three, four, all right, five, all right. And that's about normal. You have, you know, a handful out of a crowd like this that's actually given a message, okay? But speaking in tongues as a devotional gift is for everyone. Paul said, I would that you all spoke in tongues. Amen. Another place he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. You know, speaking in tongues is good. It, it, it helps you tap into the spiritual realm. I call it sometimes a gateway gift to the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes when I don't know what to do, I just pray in the Spirit. All of a sudden, the understanding comes because the Holy Spirit is moving in my heart. Amen? It's God speaking up in my heart. And so that's a manifestation. Another, another thing is, if you, if you lack peace, sometimes just pray in the Spirit and the peace will come. Because it helps the Spirit to manifest. See? And we need that. So, speaking other tongues is a good thing. Now, in the turn of the 20th century, some powerful things happened concerning this because there was not a lot of this. It always existed ever since Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was poured out. There was always manifestations of the Spirit, but not a lot for a long time. But then, in the beginning of the 20th century, because... God said he would pour out his spirit and there would be a latter rain. 
a great outpouring at the end of times when Jesus was about to come back. So in the beginning of the 20th century then, God began to move on some hearts and things began to happen. There was a man named Charles Parham who had a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. And he had a hunger for the things of the Spirit. And he taught the people about the, you know, in his, in his school about the Holy Spirit. And he was called to go to a speaking engagement somewhere. And he left his students and he said, I want you to study the Bible and determine what is the main manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So while he was gone there studying, 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 and he came back and he said, they said the key manifestation, as we see it from the scriptures of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is speaking in other languages. So on July 1st, 2001, they had a prayer meeting, and there was the, they were seeking the Lord, and there was a, a woman there in the school, and I don't remember her name right offhand. I could look at my notes, but you could look it up. Agnes something, us. I can't remember. Anyway, she said, pray for me that I would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they had studied the word. They were basing everything on here. They weren't just going on emotionalism. They said, what does the Bible say? The Bible says they will speak in other tongues. Pray for me that I would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Charles Parham, who had not himself been baptized in the Holy Spirit, prayed for her, and she immediately erupted in other languages. And later on, a linguist discovered that what she had spoken was Mandarin Chinese perfectly. And that began this move in this Bible school of the Holy Spirit. And they said that uh, there were 16 other occasions where known languages were spoken by people. And not only that, there was other manifestations of the Spirit, like visions and dreams and trances and things like that. So Charles Parham, his Bible school kept moving around. I don't know if it was persecution or what, but he kept moving around. Anyway, he ended up in Houston, and there was a man that he met up with there in Houston named William Seymour. And William Seymour was an African-American uh, preacher, and he wanted to learn about this Holy Spirit. So he says, can I come to your school? Well, yes, sir, sure. But the thing of it is, they had these uh, segregation laws, and uh, they call them Jim Crow laws, I guess. So he was not able to sit in the classroom with the white folk. So he had to sit outside and listen to all this teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But in his humility, he says, I'm going to get this teaching. I don't care what it takes. He's sitting out there in the hallway learning about the Holy Spirit. What we're reading about here, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And so then he started teaching it in some of the black congregations in Houston, and then he met someone that invited him to come and be pastor in Los Angeles. And so he said, well, that must be God. So he went to Los Angeles for this, for this pastor's job, and he went in the church, and he's riding the, the, uh, the railroad cart all the way out there, all charged up about Acts 2, 1 through 4. He's all fired up, you know, he comes into he comes into the church and he preaches about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Well, immediately, they locked him out of the church and fired him. So he lost his job after he moved across the country, had no pastor's job. So he started having meetings in a home on a place called Bonnie Bray Street. 
And God began to move at Bonnie Bray Street. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoken other tongues. Uh, there was people who played piano supernaturally that could not. Uh, there was uh, people that fell out under the power. There was a lot of miraculous things that happened at Bonnie Bray Street, and they ended up preaching on the porch. They went out on the front porch, and they started preaching. And there was just powerful things that happened on Bonnie Bray Street, but they, of course, ran out of room there. So that's when they moved to the Azusa Street mission. Now, Azusa Street was a livery stable or a warehouse. I mean, it was just a shack, but it was pretty good-sized. So I started preaching there in uh, April, I think it was, of 2006, or not 2006, 1906. And God just began to move in power. Many people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a mixed congregation, uh, black, white, Asian, all kinds of people, people from all over the world. Of course, Los Angeles is a cosmopolitan city anyway, but then people began to come from all around the world, and they began to have tremendous meetings. They would have like three meetings a day for quite some time, and people were, you know, just power, power. People would testify. People would sing. The the meetings were very free-flowing, but yet William Seymour was the pastor, and he would kind of, if they got off track, he would kind of try to guide them back in. He was very gentle, but yet firm. And God moved so mightily in that place. And missionaries were sent out of there in America and all around the world. Now that is the roots of the Assembly of God Church, what I just told you. And all the Pentecostal denominations and all the charismatic movement can all stem back to that particular revival. Amen? Folks, that's your roots. That's your roots. See, I, I like to go, I preach in a lot of different types of churches. When I go to a, a Methodist church, I'll tell them about John Wesley. Because, you know, John Wesley preached the gospel, he had a powerful message. You know, it's like what happens a lot of times is things will start out with a great deal of fire, but then humanity gets involved. Amen? And then it kind of quenches the fire and things go down and down and down, you know. So we have to, sometimes we have to revive. We have to get back to our roots. Can I have an amen? We have to stir up the fire. Amen. It's like we have a wood stove at home and sometimes it burns down. You've got to put some new fuel on there and you've got to blow on it. You've got to get it going. You've got to get, folks, you've got to get the fire going again. Are you hearing me today? God's speaking to you. You've got to get the fire going again. Praise God. You've got to put some gospel fuel on there. And you got to let it burn. you got to have some passion. you got to let the zeal of the Lord come into your life and into your church. Amen. So that you can have that Pentecostal fire. Praise God. But now why? Just so we can get emotional? Just so we can get charged up? No, why? What is the purpose of Pentecost? And I was in a meeting some time ago. And, uh, and they were, you know, they were, it was just so... I mean, it was just so emotional. They were falling over. They were laughing. They were testifying. I mean, and I thought, well, yeah, but there was nobody talking about souls. There was no really ministry of the word, you know. It's like they were just trying to stir up something, some old embers, but it was just about the physical side of it. It was about they were trying to reproduce the manifestation of the spirit. See, it's got to, it's got to get in here. And then come out. Amen? 
It's got to be you yielding to the Holy Spirit and then letting him have his way. In the Welsh revival, that was one of the main things that Evan Roberts taught was immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit. And that's why they had such a tremendous move there. Praise God. Was I was telling you about this story. Anyway, so I'm in this meeting and it's like, you know, there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of falling down, but it's just like, it was just, it, it just didn't ring true, you know? And I thought, I just kept sitting there thinking, the purpose of Pentecost, the purpose of Pentecost. So, as I said, they spoke in other tongues. It was noise abroad. People heard them speak these languages. They said, what is this? They're confused. They said, some of them, people started saying, oh, these guys are drunk. And they started making fun of them. Then, let's read now in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. See? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Oh, that's what we'd like to see. Amen? These children in your church prophesying. Teenagers prophesying. Amen? Old men dreaming dreams and young men seeing visions. See, I'm into the visions, not the dreams, because I'm a young man. But he says, upon your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Praise God. Women are involved in this, folks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out. Everybody say, pour out. I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon shall to blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. See? So there's a lot of smoke, a lot of fire, a lot of manifestation. But what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Verse 21 is the purpose. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The purpose, folks, is salvation. Salvation of souls. See, it was the power of the Spirit that got me into the kingdom. I mean, I had the... I had the gospel part when I was a child, and the gospel is the power of salvation, but sometimes we only preach half the gospel. We don't preach the whole message, the whole package. It was when the power of the Holy Spirit came in my life, I was delivered from drugs and alcohol. And it's that power of the Holy Spirit that's kept me on track all these years. 41 years now. Praise God. Because there's a reality of God's presence in my life. Amen? And I can get up every morning and pray in the Spirit and sense Him and recognize Him in my life. And it makes me an overcomer. He makes me an overcomer, praise God. And He puts within me a desire 
to reach out to people and to love people. And it gives me power to be a witness. And it gives me power to preach. And it gives me power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Because I couldn't do that. When I do that, praise God, people are touched. Amen? And they come to the Lord. I was in India. Susan and I were in India a couple years ago. And we had an open-air meeting, and we're preaching, and, and we gave an invitation for salvation, and a number of people came, but they were all Hindu background. But in this place, in this village, there was also people with a Muslim background, and they all just stood there with their arms crossed. They didn't come. Then we started praying for the sick, and the, and the Muslim people would come, and these Muslim men would come for prayer for healing, and we'd lay hands on them. And then, then we would say, would you like to receive Jesus? And they'd go, Yes. Because the Spirit touched them, see? That's what we got to have today, folks. There's so, there's so many strongholds. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't win the lost effectively without the power of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing that God has done. You know, I mentioned this. I'm just thinking about, I'm talking about Azusa Street and what has come out of that in the Pentecostal denominations. Did you know that uh, they estimate 600 million people worldwide now are Pentecostal or charismatic. That's one-fourth of all Christians. And that's, God is moving among that segment of the body of Christ, you know, is that and those who preach the new birth. Those are the two. The, the denominations that are just preaching human things, they're drying up. They have no power. That's what happened in England. They, could, they, they just started preaching human things. We've got to get in God, amen. We've got to preach the word. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? All right, let's look at one more portion of scripture, then we'll close. Acts 2 and 37. Now, what happened then? Peter continued preaching. He explained to them from the scriptures. Everybody say, from the scriptures. See, we don't need just stuff that we come up, pull out of the air. Things need to be based on the word. Amen. Amen. So he says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. This is Bible, folks. Amen. So not everybody's going to receive it anyway, but let's base it on the Bible. So he told them that. Then he began to preach Jesus. He talked about how they had killed Jesus. And he is the Lord of glory. But God raised him from the dead. And he has been risen from the dead. He ascended to heaven and he has poured out this which you now hear and see. He says, what you're seeing now in the streets of Jerusalem is Jesus Christ pouring out the Holy Spirit. And God has made him both Lord and Christ. Christ being anointed one, the Messiah. Lord being the ruler. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. You know, when I came into salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when I said, yes, Lord, you're my Lord. You, that is saving faith to me. In fact, it's saving faith to the Bible. Jesus came preaching. And he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to believe in the message that he died on that cross, but then we need to receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. That's when the miracle of the new birth takes place. That's when change takes place is when we receive him as Lord. So the, he's telling them, Jesus is Lord. 
He's telling them, you killed Jesus. And it said in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? See, the Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts through preaching, and he convicts people's hearts. And they were convicted. When it says pricked in the heart, that means they were convicted. Wow, we killed the Lord. Amen. And it's the same thing when we realize, I have sinned. I am not right with God. (laughs) The Holy Spirit let them know and lets us know. So when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Good question, right? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there was three things he told them to do. Number one, repent, which means turn away from sin and turn to the Lord. Amen. It's not just turning over a new leaf, because when you turn to the Lord, he gives you the power to live for him. Repent, then be baptized in water. Every believer should be immersed in water. Amen. To identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. To say, I'm done with the old life. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we're talking about today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those three things, the big three. I preached a message called the big three. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Spirit. Every Christian needs those things. We need to repent, believe on Jesus Christ. We need to be baptized. And then we need to open up our hearts and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit and all that he has for us. And then he said in verse 39, For this promise, everybody say promise, is unto you and your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward or crooked generation. He says you've got to save yourselves, folks. <laughs> now, you can't save yourself without him. But there is something you need to do. You need to repent. Amen. You need to believe the gospel. And then you need to follow through, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But he says, this promise is unto you, the people that were in that crowd that day, and your children, next generation, and to all that are afar off. Uh Now, would that include Buffalo, Minnesota, August 12th, 2018? All that are far off, how many agree? All that are far off means today, amen? So this brings it down to today. This brings it down to you and me, (laughs) amen? Will you repent? Will you be baptized? Will you be filled with the Spirit? He's calling us to... Take it all, amen, to get all in. (laughs) At our church in Mankato, I'm not a pastor anymore, but we were there and there was a baptism and there's a man that came to be baptized and he said, I'm all in. (laughs) I like that. I'm all in. That's what it's all about, amen. 
we don't need a compromising church. We're not going to have power by just playing church. Amen. We've got to be all in. And the men and women that I'm talking about, whether it be Peter, John, and all the apostles, whether it be William Seymour or uh, Charles Parham, all those involved in, the, in those uh, revivals, they paid a price to bring forth this truth. And we can't just back off and become, go back to lukewarm religiosity. Amen? We've got to pursue the power. We've got to press in to all that God has for us personally. Can I have an amen? amen. So could we just bow our heads for a moment today before the Lord? Father, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for your word. Oh, praise you for your word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I've done my best to bring forth your word, and but I, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just continue to minister right now. Truth, revelation, not just the Bible teaching, but what are you saying to the individuals in this room today? What are you saying to those who may be listening uh, some other way on CD or MP3 or whatever, Lord? What are you saying to us today about this, about the purpose of Pentecost? Lord, there's a lost and dying world out there. And we need your help to reach it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, when Peter spoke to them, the first thing he said was repent. First thing we need to do is repent. We need to recognize when we're off track and we've just been allowing the wrong things to operate in our lives and we need forgiveness. How many today, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, how many would say, I need forgiveness today? I need God's forgiveness. I need to get right with the Lord today. Would you lift your hand? All right. I see those hands. Praise God. That's good to, good to recognize that. All right. Wonderful. I'm going to ask another question today. How many would say, you know what? I need, I need a rekindling of the fire in my life. I need God's fire to burn in my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want that fire. All right, I want to ask those of you that raised your hand, either one of those two, just to come, and we're going to pray. Just come and stand. I want to pray with you. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.